0: Welcome to the Action Catalyst. This is Dan Moore, your host in Nashville, Tennessee. We all know that the purpose of the Action Catalyst is to help us gain insights and inspiration, to help us take action, to avoid procrastination, and to move forward with conviction as we pursue our goals in life. I am so excited about the guest that we have today. It was a privilege to get to know her when she was a college student at Stanford. Many of you know of the Southwestern Summer Program in Sales and in Business Leadership, Kelly was not only the number one salesperson her first year, but broke a company record her fourth year, a record that had stood for some time and stood for a very long time after that. After that, she continued building her career, including picking up an MBA from Wharton and worked with many different companies along the time. Bain and company, McKinsey, Bank of America, Dale Carnegie Training and Ad Hoc, living in different parts of the United States while she did that. She retired at a very ripe young age from Tableau Software, where she was Executive Vice President of Sales after a 12-year run. She joined Tableau as the company's very first salesperson in 2005, one month before they actually launched the first version of the product. And Kelly was instrumental in growing Tableau into a multi-billion dollar public company, was a key member of that executive team, and in her role was responsible for all worldwide sales and field operations direct sales, channel sales, services, training, tech support, customer success, and oversaw more than half of the employees. She has hired thousands of people over her years and has built from scratch, starting as the very, very first salesperson. She is a family woman, enjoys time with her family, and is retired in Seattle. Since retiring, she's spent a great deal of time now in board work and volunteer work with several organizations, both for profit and assisting at the Professional Sales Institute at the University of Washington. So we're very excited to have Kelly right here with us today. Kelly, let's go ahead and get started. If you don't mind, share just a little bit of of the experiences that led you to get started with, with Tableau. I know that you were with another technology company in the Bay Area for about six years that didn't really scale despite incredibly hard work with a lot of smart people. And I'm curious if you can maybe share with that and then talk about the transition to Tableau. So leaving a company you'd been with for six years to one that didn't even have their first functioning product yet when you got started. So yeah. please take away.
1: Dan, first, thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure to be able to speak with you. And yeah, as you mentioned, uh, a bit of my career trajectory was, I was very privileged and lucky to be able to end up at Tableau. And as you talked about, I had done sales. In a whole bunch of different capacities. So I was really a salesperson at heart back from the days when I was selling books door to door with you. And I had sold educational books. I had sold training. I had sold uh, residential mortgages. And then I had done sales at, at another technology company prior to Tableau. And the reason that I actually ended up joining Tableau was for a couple different reasons. One, I was really inspired by the mission and the company story. And two was the people. So just to talk a little bit about that is I loved the mission of Tableau. Back from before I started, the mission was to help people see and understand data. And if you think about this, Dan, it's just it's a huge mission. And there were at the time, there were 55 million companies in the world, probably more than that now. And every single one of those companies has data. And our belief, which I believe is true, is that every single one of those 55 million companies not only had data, but they had at least someone who wanted or needed to analyze, evaluate, explore and interrogate their data. And I was drawn to this mission, not only because it was so ubiquitous, but I had learned firsthand how frustrating it was to not be able to ask your own question of your own information and interrogate. So my time in consulting, we were actually hired. To solve really critical company strategic initiatives. And we collected all this data and information, but the tools were so hard to use. And most of the time I was using Excel, it was so difficult that I just found it very challenging to be able to answer my own questions. So I was very, very drawn to the mission and to the broader purpose of the company, which was really helping people to be more empowered at work to have data democratization and enable people to be self-sufficient answering their own questions. So that's the first thing. And I and I would give that as a piece of advice is for anyone looking for a career change or trying to figure out where they can be successful, make sure that you can identify with the mission. And then secondly, it was the people. I and mean, there were super smart people The initial science behind Tableau had actually come out of Stanford University and I had met the people through my Stanford network because that's where I had gone for undergrad. But there were smart people who were committed to this mission, who actually had some differentiated IP and technology that they had created. And everyone on that team, I felt like I could learn and grow from. uh, So we could work together, but they were super smart people who were really committed to building a company together.
0: Hmm. Now that's incredible. The vision is so powerful for anybody that wants to move forward in life. And you said the whole vision of Tableau was to help people feel empowered at work and not drowning in data what they couldn't really work with or interrogate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the mission was to help people see and understand data, and that's what we were doing every day. But the vision was even broader than that. It was to empower people at work, and when people feel empowered and self sufficient and more productive at work which is really what it was all about, this the vision of data democratization, self-empowerment, self-sufficiency, they not only are more productive, but they're more engaged, they're more inspired, and also they can have more fun at work because they actually can be creative and get things done. And to me, that was part of the joy of working with the customers every day is moving forward on our mission at Tableau we were able to actually inspire people in their jobs, help them be more productive, but help them enjoy what they were doing more every day. And that was really fun to be part of.
0: Of course it was. And I suspect if Simon Sinek were listening to this, he would say, aha, so the mission is what you do, but the why you do it, that was the vision, helping people be empowered at work. And then you never get tired of a vision like that. It's outstanding.
1: Yeah, and we talked about Simon Sinek all the time at Tableau and really just connecting people to the why. And I, and I think that's a big part of sales and just communication in general is if people understand the why they're doing things and allowing people to learn how to better communicate the why, to be able to share their authentic self and their authentic reason for why they're doing things and why they're passionate, then it makes it much easier to actually move forward in the whole sales process. So yes, I was the head of sales at Tableau. And There were a whole bunch of different sales processes and tactics to sales that we use. But the really overarching goal was to help other people and to help them to accomplish their dreams and desires and aspirations. And that might seem very bold and lofty, but it's really if we could help people to make their jobs better at work and to answer their own questions and to be more independent then that was very motivating to them. And so we were, we were selling that. That's what we were selling.
0: You're really selling an improvement in people's lives, which is fantastic. And, you know, when you speak about why, there's all kinds of concern these days among different generations. And people say, well, these millennials, I don't know how to reach them. Well, millennials are also sometimes called Gen Y. And if we simply talk to people about our why and their why and bring them together, motivation tends to take care of itself. And it's phenomenal with this generation, which is tremendous. Now, I think
1: this generation, it's pushing us to actually do what is just a normal human ways for human bonds to happen anyway. If people understand the why and they understand what are the motivations to interact with each other, then the relationships and the communication just works better.
0: Right. Absolutely. Well, it's it's so interesting speaking with you, Kelly. I'm going to ask you to jump in a time machine for just a minute. Because right now, as we look at Tableau, it is a public company, a very successful IPO, market value in the billions. You led the revenues up to 850 million just in your part. It's absolutely phenomenal. But let's go back in the time machine. When you just started version 1.0 was a month away, it wasn't really productized yet. How did you start? How did you get started? Because we have lots of listeners that are have an idea. They're, they're ready to launch, but how do you get the first sales?
1: Hmm. It brings back a lot of different ideas. So I'll answer first just with some thoughts about that. And then I'll give you a story or two that will maybe illustrate it a little bit with a bit more clarity. So mm. when I had joined, we did have a product. It was a beta product. We had a couple little beta, a couple beta customers. And our customers were very excited, again, about this mission because we were explaining what we were trying to do. So even if there's limited functionality, it was still helping them to work faster. But our job early on is a sales, as when we are selling, you have to really tap into selling that mission because we were doing a lot of evangelical selling. And what I mean by that, that missionary selling is you're selling the idea, you're selling the road and the true north of where you're going on because all the things that the customers want, you don't have. So we had, we were a data analytics product. We didn't have something up on the server to share on the web. We didn't connect to a whole bunch of different data sets. In fact, if customers had asked us a hundred different questions, Hey, I can't figure out how to do this. Maybe we could do one or two. Now, if someone were to ask a hundred questions, there's only one or two that we can't do. So you're selling this vision and this idea. And then it's also about making those customers as successful as possible. So What we were focused on is delighting the customers, making sure they have a really positive customer experience, and then bringing them along for the ride, letting them know, hey, if they signed up with us really early on, they could help inform the product strategy. They could help inform the way that we partnered and worked with customers. So we weren't only just selling them something. We were actually bringing on these partners where we could bring them along and help to develop the company alongside them. And then back to this whole sense of why that we talked about a few moments ago is being able to understand what it was that they wanted and really focused on making them more successful. And back then, it was about helping them to get their work done faster and answering their own questions. So that's how we were thinking about it, is being able to also sell what you had. So oftentimes what people are trying to do is sell this broader vision where you want to do that. But that has to be balanced with really only focus on selling and closing those customers where you can help them right now. Because you don't want to sell something now and then you can't actually solve their problem for another year. So that's the conceptual piece of it. Uh, I'll tell a story that maybe illustrates it even better. I remember it was 2005 which was the year that I joined Tableau, maybe just a few months after I had joined. I was talking to a customer on the phone who was using a sample version of Tableau. They were using the trial and they had called and said, hey, Kelly, I'm trying to figure out. I've done this piece of analysis and I want to share it with my team. How do I share it? Because I can't find the print button. And I had said, well, customer... I'm glad you're really happy with the product, but the reason you can't find the print button is we don't print. And then the customer said, well, can I export it to PDF? Because then I can just print with the PDF. And I had said, well, we don't do PDF either. And they said, well, can I share it like on the internet somewhere? Can I publish it somewhere? And of course, we didn't have that functionality. So the customer said, well, I'm able to save time and I have this great insight, but I can't figure out how to share it. And I said, OK, well, this might sound like a silly question, but the person you want to share, where is that person located? And the gentleman said, well, he's here in the office. And I said, well, is he on your floor? Or where is he? He said, oh, he's just right down the hall. And I said, well, do you have a desktop or a laptop? He said, I have a laptop. And I said, oh, well, then it's easy. You can just undock your laptop, walk it down the hall and you can just show him right there on your computer. And he goes, okay, that wasn't the answer that I was expecting. And then he (laughs) called me back a few minutes later and he gave me his credit card and and purchased the software. So I think a lot of it is just about being honest with the customers and making sure you're focusing and tapping into how you can help them and what you can do and what you can't do.
0: Right. And this conversation sounds like was happening voice to voice. Is that correct? It was
1: voice. Yeah. Yeah. So that one was happening over the phone.
0: Right. Which is is extremely impressive because there's such a tendency now to use electronic media for communication and dialogue through email and texting and all the rest of that. In my opinion, there's no substitute for voice to voice, particularly when you're trying to work with somebody and you've got something that's brand new with limited functionality. I think that's a key lesson. The other thing that you said was don't sell what you can't deliver. And I believe with a lot of people that have a very bold vision for their organization or their company, It's so easy to promote what it will one day be, and yet customers need to know what it is now. And you managed that and mastered that in a brilliant way.
1: And it's hard to do that sometimes, uh, but I think customers appreciate just being honest and direct as well. So say, this is what we have now. That's in our roadmap for later, but we want to make sure that you're successful now with what we can do.
0: Absolutely. And it's really impressive to me that you took that on yourself. There's an old saying around here that was coined by Spencer Hayes, our executive chairman, who said that you can't teach what you don't know and people won't follow where you won't go. And so you put yourself out there first to learn all these systems. And it's one thing to be excellent by yourself. How, how long were you the only salesperson? And, and can you maybe spend a couple minutes describing the process of beginning to grow and how you added people and how you figured out how to duplicate yourself without just making a bunch of clones and help people feel empowered to grow too. I'd love to hear the scaling process.
1: Oh, sure. To clarify a few things. One, I was the first salespeople, but the salesperson, but there were other salespeople that came in right after me. And then secondly, and this was something that I think I started lurking when I was a manager working with you, Dan, selling bookstore to door. And then in some of my other management experiences, To have a bunch of clones of me was definitely not (laughs) what uh, was a good strategy. People did not want to be exactly like me. They wanted to be themselves. And I think that that was a learning that I had along the way is being able to understand just from a sales standpoint, what was it that was really resonating with the customers? That's on the first piece Uh, along this mission of helping people to see and understand data and empowering people to be able to ask the questions so that they could uncover what the customer's real challenges and what their real drivers were in their own authentic way. So they had to be able to be themselves. So it wasn't making a whole bunch of clones of the people that were there because to be able to really connect with other human beings and to be able to sell effectively and to help them effectively, they had to do it in their own way. Now, I think when it comes to scaling, there's really two pieces that we focused on. One was being very clear and intentional about what our culture was and what our core values were at Tableau. So we could hire people that align to that and have really one whole way. It doesn't mean everyone had to think and act alike because we definitely wanted diversity of thought and diversity of behavior. But in terms of those core values, be very, very aligned on those because that helps with the central core messaging of the company. And it also helped to inform a lot of our decision-making and prioritization. So that was the first. I think on the second, it was just being very clear about where we were focusing at all different times. As I mentioned, there are 55 million companies in the world and every company used data, regardless of vertical, functional, space, geography, or what their problems were. And if we just spread ourselves really thin... That was hard. So we had to really prioritize on what we were doing. How we prioritized early on is we focused on those real data users and those data analysts and how we could actually make that message for them so that they could be more productive and that we could help them to save time and feel more empowered at work. And then what we did with those is we made those people really great champions and advocates so that we had more evangelists that weren't only on our sales team, but were within the customer as well. And I'm happy to talk more about each of those pieces.
0: I think that would be really instructive for our listeners and and very, very helpful. My guest in a recent podcast was a retired CEO of Bridgestone Firestone, and he quoted Peter Drucker, who said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And you were very clear about your culture. And it sounds like that is an ongoing theme, which is great. So, yeah, please expand particularly as you were adding people. And I guess a a part of that expansion, Kelly, is you've stated you want people to be themselves and do it in their own way. At the same time, you need consistency, particularly when you're in a worldwide sales market. How did you balance helping people Mm. feel like they could do it in their own way with also being sure that the messaging and the processes were being conveyed in a consistent way through all of those many people you worked with around the globe?
1: Okay. So there there are a few questions in there. So Dan, let's take the core values and culture one first And then let's come back to the scalability and the sales process one. Perfect. Okay. So with regards to culture, to scale, we were very intentional about culture at Tableau. So very early on, we came up with our Tableau core values. And later, we added Tableau leadership principles. And these weren't just words on the walls. These were values that we lived by and practiced daily. And they helped to inform who we hired. How we had performance discussions, how we had conversations with our customers. So each company has a different culture and a different personality. And that's good because there's not necessarily one culture that is better than any other, but it is critical that a company culture helps to guide the company and that everyone at the company aligns with those values. So at Tableau, our values included, we are on a mission. We build great products. We use our products. We work as a team we respect each other, we're honest, we keep it simple, and we delight our customers. And then later, we added leadership values. There were a number of them. But the first that was most important is we champion our values. We communicate well, we're positive, we make decisions, we recruit great talent, we foster personal growth, and there were a few others. What this did is we were hiring people who were all on the mission. People had to be really passionate about helping people see and understand data. They had to think that that was an inspirational, important endeavor. And then we hired people who respected other human beings who were honest and who were wanted to work as a team, all those other pieces. And so what this ended up doing is we had the type of people who were aligned with the way we wanted to do work and with the way we wanted to do things. And then what happened is as we were able to make decisions, so for instance, one of our core values were we keep it simple. Well, we keep it simple means we had to permeate through this with all elements of the company. We wanted to keep the product simple so people could use it. We wanted to keep our recruiting process uh, straightforward and simple so everyone could understand what it was. It doesn't mean that there weren't steps in the process, but we wanted people to understand what it was. We wanted to keep our pricing strategy simple so there weren't so many different SKUs. So it permeated through the different questions that we had. And then we could be clear with customers of this is the way that we were going to interact with them because this is how we valued how we went about our work.
0: That's absolutely fantastic. Now, on the theme still about how you scaled and how you added people, very talented leaders often have a difficult time with delegation. They have a hard time letting go because they know if they do it, they're going to get it right. If they give it to somebody else, there may be mistakes. And so that is a real lid on their ability to grow. What was sort of your attitude toward when you would let go of something, how you would develop people? This general theme, I think will be really important as as so many people are growing their businesses too.
1: Well, and that's hard. It's really hard as a leader to be able to get things done. And to be able to have that appropriate balance of when do you do something yourself, especially when you know what the answer is and you can maybe do it faster versus empowering others. But when it comes to scaling, I mean, at Tableau, you know, I joined when there were 10 people and then when I left, there were close to thirty five hundred. You you can't do everything yourself. I mean, you're highly dependent on other people to get things done and help you to scale. So it is being able to, one, hire people that are willing to raise their hand and learn and grow and be able to take on more things where they're able to continue to challenge themselves and bringing in the level of experience where you can trust other people to get things done. But then other you have to have that level of trust so you can relinquish and let things go and not be too worried If people make mistakes and and have some failures along the way, that's one of the reasons that delegation is so hard, is people are so risk averse to have some level of failure, but that's how people grow and scale. So there's always a balance there with the delegation is you have to look at what are the things that you absolutely need to do yourself and then where in order to scale, there's only so much you can do and there's things that you have to let go. And then you push it down to other people so that they can get things done. For for me personally, though, Dan, it's interesting. Before I was at Tableau, the largest team I had ever managed was 16 people. And I didn't know how to do a ton of the things that we did at Tableau. I had never gone through an IPO uh, before. I had never opened up global teams, I had never started a huge customer success organization, I had never built a whole enterprise sales engine before. So I was highly dependent on hiring fantastic talent, who were super capable. And in fact, every single day I went to work, I was learning from them. So they were learning and growing from, or I was learning and growing from them just as much, if not more than they were learning and growing from me. And I saw my job not to do their job, but my job was really to empower them to do the job in the best of their capability. And that requires a huge amount of delegation and trust in that delegation.
0: The Action Catalyst podcast will return next week with the conclusion of this inspiring second part interview. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.